0: The very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkuth is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. The snow is dumping in the mountains and foothills,
1: which means it's time to gear up for winter fun. When it comes to outdoor play in the wintertime, nobody beats Mount Baker Motorsports in Bellingham. They're your authorized Arctic Cat snowmobile and off-road dealer and have everything you need for your winter adventures. Mount Baker Motorsports offers an extensive parts and accessories department, apparel for the winter riding season, and a service team for all repairs and upgrades to your existing sleds. Are you working outside during the cold and snowy season? Mount Baker Motorsports has you covered. They have an extensive selection of ATVs and side-by-sides that can be fitted with snow plows, cabin Closures and heater systems to ensure that you can get the job done. Stop by and visit Mount Baker Motorsports today at the corner of Woburn and Iowa in Bellingham, or check them out online at MountMakerMoto.com. Mount Baker Motorsports, Whatcom County's premier power sports dealer, featuring Arctic Cat, Kawasaki, KTM, CF Moto, Husqvarna, and Gas Gas.
0: Skagit Farmers Supply operates three full-service agronomy centers, trained agronomists, precision equipment, and a full range of crop protection. Located in western Washington, they market organic bagged products in stores throughout the Northwest, including Hawaii and Alaska, which are available for pickup or delivery. Skagit Farmers Supply services nurseries providing service to large-scale production as well as smaller rural living enthusiasts. Visit SkagitFarmers.com today for all of your agronomy needs. In the Shop. And I saw a little headline that says, uh, how much does it cost to replace the Ford F-150 Lightning's battery? I thought, that ought to be interesting. Kirk from Angler, Brian from Dr. Johns, and Dan from Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. And cost around, are you ready for this? 30000 bucks. Join them on In the Shop, 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
2: Can farm workers get a fair shake here in Washington State in, in, in politics in Olympia? It, it's, it's a question after what happened. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now um, when there was this hearing in Olympia about an issue dealing with how farm workers are being treated how they're being compensated dealing with overtime we've explained some of the background on that uh, multiple times here on the show'll we'll, we'll catch you up a little bit if you're just uh, tuning into this issue but the question that remains now after farm workers came to Olympia a, a community of people who, rarely are in a position to raise their voices and speak out but at the same time a, a community that's increasingly the subject of political conversations in Olympia what are the rules that we have in the state what are farmers doing and are farm workers being treated well it's something that a lot of folks say they care about but when it comes down to it you know as we've said on the program do they really care about it if that community has a view, a perspective, words to share that don't align with their political perspective. And, and that's exactly what happened in Olympia when farm workers came to testify on a measure dealing with overtime and they were, I, I don't know if it was deliberate, but they were poorly translated, mistranslated, you might be able to say in a few cases. And uh, editorialized uh, comments from a state lawmaker on this committee where they were speaking in a public hearing, actually, you know, editorializing, adding her own opinion on to the end of someone else's state official testimony, also a suggestion by two different lawmakers, chairing and co-chairing or vice chairing, whatever the official title was at committee, uh, suggestion uh, from both of them that the the workers that were speaking out didn't really actually understand the issue they were commenting on. And these are two lawmakers who claim to champion farm workers' cause. So looking to the future, I, I imagine it has a real chilling effect for farm workers feeling like they could be heard why because is it because of the terrible farmers who are trying to you know this is what the activists accuse exploit workers and no actually in this situation it's because of lawmakers who apparently have such an activist agenda claiming to help these very people that they can't be listened to because their politics or their perspective on a given issue doesn't align with the said lawmaker's perspective. We're talking, of course, about Senate, State Senator Rebecca Saldana, also the chair of the Labor Committee in the State Senate, Senate uh, uh, Senator Karen Kaiser. Joining me right now with the Center for Latino Leadership, Maya Espinoza, Welcome to the program this morning.
3: Maya, hey, you thanks, were, Dylan. You were
2: there in Olympia in the room for this hearing first off what was your reaction we've heard from a few folks here on the program who were pretty darn frustrated and even offended by what went on there what was your take on how that all went down a couple of weeks ago when these farm workers wanted to say hey let us work uh, we're in favor of this bill that would allow a 12-week window where we can work A bit longer, up to 50 hours a week before overtime kicks in, because we know that the farm can't afford to do this whole time and a half thing for a whole bunch of hours. And so they're going to roll, you know, limit our hours just to manage their costs and stay in business. What did it feel like there in the room as this went down?
3: Yeah, I I think you preface this exactly right. Uh, The feeling in the room was that this was not the type of testimony the senator was expecting, either Senator Saldana or Kaiser. They seemed very surprised uh, at at the farm workers' actual testimony on this bill. And so, you know, they assumed they didn't understand the issue, which, of course, is very insulting, Um, especially, you know, my dad's an immigrant. He's still got an accent. And especially when these workers are testifying, trying to testify in English, testifying in Spanish and being told they don't understand the bill um so the feeling in the room was a little insulting i think uh to say the very least and you know i i am not a farm worker so i did not testify but i was there helping a couple of local workers you know be able to testify be able to navigate the whole complicated legislative process i mean you have to sign in at least an hour before the test or the, the hearing starts There are all kinds of obstacles that are already put in place that make it hard enough for people who speak English fluently, you Mm -hmm. know, to navigate this process. But here you have, have workers that show up for this committee, both virtually and in person in Olympia, all the way across the state. And to have, you know, such a, a condescending tone to these workers was, was insulting to say the very least.
2: Well, I mean, I think you're exactly right. And to me, As an English speaker, somebody who plays around in this world of politics a lot. I'm a professional talker, for crying out loud. I've been on the (laughs) radio for years. That's intimidating to me to go do that. So it would be intimidating to anybody. I know anybody in the farming community generally does not relish the idea of going to Olympia for a variety of reasons. But farmers and farm workers are very similar. Uh, they like to be left alone, generally, and just get work done. And that's their happy place, out in the field, exactly. growing food. Think- so it was saying a lot, I think, very courageous of them to be able to come way outside that comfort zone. And then I think about the fact that, you know, several of these guys uh, were originally from Mexico and right. speaks English as a second language. I cannot fathom if I were in there, if that was reversed if i say was in mexico and spanish was my second language and there's a political system that i didn't even necessarily grow up with but then going to speak and i would be intimidated beyond belief
3: right and of course they don't make this you know the bill language itself the actual bill it you know was You're in support of the bill, which would fix this issue that was already, you know, something the workers were opposed to from the get go. So it's already confusing, you know, again, whether or not you speak English. So these workers were trying to be crystal clear about we need the money. We are told that uh, if you know we hit 40 hours, that there's not they're not going to have extra work for us. They're going to have to hire another person. And they were conveying these issues very clearly in Spanish and in English. There was actually one point um, during the test uh, the the hearing itself where the translation you you had mentioned that you know Senator Saldana was doing some of this translation and that she was adding her own comments. Uh, Most of the time she was at least saying, and those are my comments, that she, you know, she's adding on, she is making comments, but she at least tried to show the distinction between their comments and her comments. However, there's one point where one of the workers is talking about. You know, I, I'm going to only get 40 hours and I need the extra money. I want to work extra 50 hours or, or the, the full 50 hours. and You know, he'd gladly work more. Yeah. But the translation that was given, actually, what the senator said was, I will only get 40 hours. Mm-hmm. I will only be given 40 hours. And the distinction there is important because one implies that the farmer is himself choosing to only get 40 hours, where right. the worker himself is saying No, no, you know, I would like to work more than 40 hours. Not he's not putting blame on anyone. He's saying these these are my issues and this is how I feel about it. And so that was an instance where she put her own comments in it or her own interpretation that was not exactly true to the actual intent behind the testimony.
2: What was what were the workers in the room? What were they feeling like? How did they react? And I saw there was a moment. I think it was uh, there was a moment when Senator Kaiser said she just wanted to clarify, but then her "quote unquote" clarification, which was much more of an insinuation that the people who had just testified didn't understand the issue, which I thought was pretty right. awful. Um, mm-hmm. it, and this was one of those hearings where multiple technical hearings happened in a row. This was the last one in any of the hearings before that never happened, where where oh, yeah. lawmakers who were supposed to be listening to the public's perspective. testifiers perspective then stepped in and said well i'm not sure if you really understand the issue and i just want to clarify so that was frustrating but then i noticed that the workers at that moment kind of were like they were walking back to their seats and they kind of turned around and were kind of like what no (laughs) Uh, and now we're not going to stand for that
3: that was such an interesting exchange because uh, on the one hand you have an opportunity where this is a hearing The senator could have engaged those individuals directly and said, now, let's make sure that we're both talking about the same thing. But instead, she waited for them to wrap up their testimony and then insert, by the way, none of you know what you're talking about, because actually this bill does this. And that is the moment where the workers came back. You know, I think in that uh, particular instance, you had both a farmer and a a worker come back to the table and say, no, no we do understand and they tried to explain it to her unfortunately she didn't seem real open you know to understanding their perspective she was just disgruntled that they didn't automatically agree with with what they were trying to do
2: it really begs the question if you go in there and i guess whether you speak english or spanish no matter what your your ethnic or cultural background is, can you get a fair shake? Well, these folks who, okay, they have a very specific political viewpoint. I don't necessarily agree with it, but fine. But the point of a hearing is to listen And then see if that changes, you know, your understanding of the situation. It didn't sound like they were there to listen at all. And again, at moments, you know, making it obvious that they didn't want to listen because they were trying to make the folks in the hearing, the people who were supposed to be speaking, they thought they needed to be listening to their preaching.
3: It does make you wonder, you know, was it all the pomp and circumstance that they just wanted the hearing, you know, to say that they gave it a hearing because it, that was absolutely the impression that there was not actually an effort to listen to the perspectives. But instead, there was the assumption that they just didn't understand it. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate. I think you're exactly right, Dylan. This very well could have a chilling effect on workers coming all the way, you know, it, missing a day of work. come testify on this important bill which they know is going to impact their income this year and being frankly told that they don't know what they're saying it's it it very well may have a chilling effect but just to do a little plug for my organization you know center for latino leadership very much i mean our mission is to demystify politics and the legislative process we want to make it easier for normal people, normal Latino residents of Washington state to be able to engage mm-hmm. their government. And, and, you know, I founded this organization on a simple premise, which was, you know, we've got a pretty high Latino population in the state compared to other states. Yeah. We've got a super high migrant population in the state. Um, But our representation in our local government doesn't always reflect that. Now, when you drill down, you know, to the issue, you see, well, you know, Latinos actually don't vote. They're not not in in the same, you know, percentages at the same rate that other demographics do. This demographic tends to be registered to vote and not turning out. And when I talk to people, when I meet people around the state and by and large, we're a a network of Latino leaders across all of Washington, all corners of the state. What we have found is that it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where you don't vote, you don't get the representation you're hoping. And so you don't see your representation in your government. You don't relate to it. You don't know. How to even engage it so then you end up not voting again. Well,
2: here's another issue. And by the way, we're talking with Maya Espinoza, she's the founder of the Center for Latino Leadership. Um, what is it? Center for Latino Leaders dot org. Uh if, that's it. if folks you. want to check it out online. And that's where, you know, earlier you said you didn't testify in this particular hearing because you're not a farm worker. But this is this is what you do is helping those communities connect with the political system. Right. The levers right. of power, as the more progressives will talk about. And they it's it's interesting. They'll often talk about how communities like Hispanics or you know, whatever category they they Right. And, and sadly, I'm be- because of this incident, I'm becoming more cynical. Whatever group that they feel they can use politically uh, will talk about yeah. how people are locked out of this system. Yet it's they themselves that are creating that. And ultimately, you know, I think there, there's this assumption that the Latino community is kind of a political monolith. That, Mm -hmm. you know, Latinos vote left. They're all about uh, Democrats and, um, you know, progressive policies. Progressive policies. The reality is to me that's troubling just right on its face because you're lumping people together because of their cultural or ethnic background guess what they have a diversity of views just like anybody else (laughs) and so exactly but if if people like Senator Saldana and Senator Kaiser continue doing what they're doing it creates that it it perpetuates and continues that perception of a political monolith because They only use a given community when it's convenient for their particular political agenda. And when it's not, as we saw in this hearing they are um, disrespected and I mean, silenced may be a bit strong, but really that's the upshot of kind of what's happening where their testimony was not, it was apparent. They didn't value as much as maybe others who agreed with them. They didn't value their testimony as much.
3: Right. No, that's exactly right. And, And I do want to be very clear that my organization in no way is prescribing where people stand on the issue. We're simply providing that avenue to be able to connect and engage their 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 government. And so, you know, to assume that we are all a political monolith is itself, I think, very racist in its own, you know, insinuations. Um, And we've seen, of course, you know, historically and across other states and in other Latino communities across the nation that that is not the case. That cannot be further from the case. But if the same folks that are trying to engage this community are having a hard time getting that engagement, maybe you're not talking to them about issues that matter. Maybe you're not talking to them You know about things that they want to fight for things that they that would engage them Mm -hmm. and that's really what we're trying to do is meet people where they are find out what issues are impacting their community make sure they know what olympia is trying to do you know for their community and let them be the determinants of whether they think that that's a good idea or not and it was very clear that in this particular hearing that was counter to what they were expecting or what they were told. And, you know, maybe in their defense, that's their own echo chamber. That's their own, you know, influence uh, sphere of people telling them that this is what, you know, the community needs. Mm -hmm. But across Washington, these Latino communities are very different in their needs. A, a Seattle, you know, quote unquote, migrant worker is very different than an eastern Washington or Whatcom yeah. County migrant worker. Yeah,
2: exactly right. This is The Farming Show, by the way, here on KGMI 96.5 FM in Bellingham, as well as 790 AM. I'm Dylan Honkoop uh, talking with Maya Espinoza, the founder of the Center for Latino leadership talking about what happened in Olympia a couple of weeks ago when uh Latino farm workers largely I mean I think there was one worker who was not Latino who also spoke in favor of this. Um again it doesn't all have to be one category of people. We can have diversity here folks. Yeah. Um, uh, talking about what happened there when folks who were needing to you know wanted to to testify share their perspective in Spanish were kind of manipulated by a couple of the more partisan uh, lawmakers on that panel before which they were testifying in a disappointing and frustrating way. I would imagine, I mean, I asked you uh, a few minutes ago about what how those workers were feeling. I would imagine... Uh, They had to have been kind of frustrated, if not even ticked off after that. But there there was a bit of a conversation afterwards, though, too, right?
3: There was, and that was actually very encouraging. So, you know, after the hearing had concluded and, you know, we had ran out of time, Uh, We stuck around and we wanted to, you know, talk with others about this issue because certainly it wasn't like all of us showed up and met ahead of time and we all got our notes in order. These were all workers from across the state with different experiences, you know, sharing their own testimony. So as we're talking in the hallway, uh, actually, Senator Saldana comes out eventually and she wants to engage the workers and she wants to. You know drill down a little deeper and that was that to me is encouraging even if you know maybe the intent was let me make sure that you understand which again we we won't reiterate how insulting that that actually is right um she was she was there to listen and talk and engage these folks and there were a few minutes that she had allocated to actually meet with them one-on-one and talk through how this actually works and you know for some of these politicians in olympia who have never owned a business who maybe have never actually worked in an industry where you can get laid off because there's not enough work or enough you know revenue to keep you getting paid sometimes they frankly have no idea how some of this works so the fact that she was you know available to talk about this with some of these farmers and farm workers was encouraging now whether or not they got through whether or not their point was was seen as valid i I mean remains to be seen i I don't think the bill moved this year um so of course that is discouraging but they did meet with the vice chair rather than the chair
2: yeah uh and we're out of time but just real quick maya have you ever seen anything like what happened in this hearing before people being treated that way in, in all of your years in and around olympia
3: you know, frankly, I hadn't. Wow. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had not seen anything like that, and and I hope that we can work to rectify that. I hope that you know, folks are not discouraged; they're willing to come out. Yeah. This is why we need to remain engaged along the way and not let this be the final note.
2: Again, the website is centerforlatinos.org dot or no no, no dot org. Make sure I get that right. Correct. Center for Latino yep, yep. leaders dot org. Their founder, Maya Espinosa, and they have a whole uh, network of folks working on issues there. You can check it out online. Maya Espinosa has been with us. Thank you for your time so much.
3: Hey, thank you, Dylan. Take care.
1: For most of us, our vehicles are one of our most expensive and valuable investments. They're our babies, our friends, our pride and joy. From road trips to grocery runs, trips to school, or back and forth to work, our vehicles are there for us every day. When everything is running well, you can't wait to get it out on the open road and just cruise. Unseen problems can turn that joy into agony fast. Keep your baby running great at Bellingham Automotive. Their 99-point bumper-to-bumper inspection will help to ensure that your pride and joy stays with you for years to come. The professionals at Bellingham Automotive will inspect all the nooks and crannies for you so you can focus on more important things, like singing along to your favorite radio station, showing off the perfect window sticker, and filling up your cup holders. With over 30 years of service, you can trust Bellingham Automotive to help you with any regular maintenance needs or unexpected repairs. Schedule your appointment at 360-676-5200 or visit BellinghamAutomotive.com. It keeps your workers warm. It keeps your heavy equipment running. It keeps your customers happy. Propane. Let us take the pain out of propane. We'll make sure your tanks are full so you don't have to.
2: Skagit Farmers Supply provides safe, efficient delivery service for business, agriculture, and residential. Visit them today and see how they can keep you warm this winter at skagitfarmers.com.
1: So we're here with Eric from Ferndale. Eric, why do you own a gun? I believe in safety first and self-defense. Here with Liz from Bellingham. Liz, why do you own a gun?
3: I own a gun for the same reason I own a fire extinguisher, in case of emergency.
1: Wayne from Linden. Where did you buy your firearm? The Linden gun sale. I got mine there, sent my parents there, friends and neighbors too. Hands down, the best anywhere. Well, there you have it, folks. Come to the Linden Gun Cell at the Northwest Fairgrounds this weekend, Saturday 9 to 6 and Sunday 9 to 4. For details, go to BigTopPromos.com.
0: Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by
3: Vibrant USA, Pacific Security, Lighthouse Mission Ministries, Beller Heating and Air Conditioning, and Columbia Fire.
0: Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
1: The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group.
2: Stream buffers, something that we haven't talked about for a little while here on the program. Certainly been a hot topic for a long time with farming and with salmon recovery. Last year, you know, we, we dealt with that proposal in Olympia that would have taken tens of thousands of acres of farmland out of production. A, a lot of it in, in western Washington uh, with this idea that there needs to be mandatory Stream buffers, riparian buffers, meaning forested, meaning we need to plant trees out hundreds of feet on either side of anything that uh, could remotely be argued as a salmon-bearing stream. Now, while the farming community uh, supports salmon recovery and has helped with a lot of work toward that end, we knew that this kind of a proposal would, would kill farming, particularly in western Washington. And that's why we opposed that last year, saying, hey, in in the big picture, protecting salmon this way is actually going to hurt salmon because you're going to lose farms. And what happens when you lose farms? Pavement, houses, factories, urbanization, and that will harm our streams. Kind of a wrongheaded plan. Well, the idea came back again um, as we headed into this current Happening in Olympia right now, legislative session. By the way, this is The Farming Show. Good morning to you. I'm Dylan Honkoop. um, And joining me in studio this morning is Whatcom Family Farmers Executive Director Fred Lickle. Uh, Fred, we've been watching this in Olympia since, well, it was was this fall, right? Uh, When um, they said, okay, we're going to take another stab at this whole buffer idea. And before there was any sort of specific proposal... Um, along the lines of what happened last year, legislation to force mandatory stream buffers, um, there was some, quote-unquote, stakeholder input. There was kind of a group that was pulled together, and people started talking. That's correct. O- in yes. Olympia.
4: And thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The One of the things that was mandated out of the, the failed session, the failed buffer efforts last time was, Um, bringing together a diverse group of stakeholders to have a discussion. I believe they had three or four roundtables in the fall and into the winter to discuss um, ways to move things forward. And so, um, understandably a bit contentious. You had tribes, you had farmers, you had, I believe, development people there, and then obviously the government uh, agencies as well. Um, It was facilitated by a good group, and they came up with some recommendations that they brought forward to the governor's office.
2: And that was a big, like I think you had just alluded to there, a, a part of the failure that the governor's office created last year last legislative session in 2022 to do this and why we were so opposed to it again farmers the farming community isn't opposed to this idea of stream buffers and protecting streams they're opposed to the idea of it being a blanket rule one size fits all mandatory you lose a bunch of land you don't get compensated for it all these farm killing ideas that were packed into the last proposal but again the second part of that failure was not just that it was farm killing but that nobody was really involved yeah the farming community in particular was kind of shut out of any conversations on that until all of a sudden it was time to debate a a specific bill and a lot of people are like
4: what what happened here it wasn't kind of shut out it was definitely shut out um there were a lot of people um that were quite shocked when this bill came forward Um, Even many of the tribes, uh, is my understanding, Mm. were were not even. It was just just a few tribes, and I don't even think there were any environmental organizations. It was a very close, it was just the governor's office and this group of tribes. And obviously that's the reason why it got shot down, is there was just outrage all along. And
2: and the governor's office rightly suffered a a black eye politically for having gone about it that way, kind of this yes. backroom deal and then boom, um, spring it on everybody else. Right. So that's where they were having to do damage control and show, okay, we're going to get people involved this year. Right. So you spring it forward and, and there was a report that came out, I believe in December.
4: And out of this, the governor's office decided to write another bill um, that they put forward that they thought would move it forward. Now it was focused on voluntary work and However, um, it was also, unfortunately, tied to standards. So on the one hand, it said voluntary. But on the other, side, on the other hand, it said, yeah, but we have to have standards. Well, guess what? These standards were, uh, as the usual, 200 feet or whatever it might be. So the same we old story of what we've been
2: saying, this isn't going to work. Yeah,
4: basically it was right back to it. So, so the farmers and many others opposed the bill. Um, even some of the tribes signed in as other. Um, they were, there, were, there was a lot of unhappiness with, once again, we're mandating a path forward. So that then led to, probably a few weeks ago, um, a, a really interesting bipartisan effort that came forward. There was two or three Republicans and two or three Democrats that got together that sat on the Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee who said, yeah, we're going to write a truly bipartisan bill. They got together. They got together with key tribal people, key farming groups, and they told the governor, your bill isn't moving forward. <laughs> We're going to move this
2: bill forward. This is fascinating to me because, and this is the Farming Show, by the way, Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Fred Lickle, Executive Director of Watcom Family Farmers, is here with us. Of course, I work with Fred uh, at Watcom Family Farmers and Save Family Farming. This is interesting to me because in the current climate in Olympia, this doesn't happen very well, often. Bipartisan anymore. does not happen. Right. And Republicans, Democrats, farmers, tribes—you know—all these people came together and realized, okay, there's a bigger thing that we're trying to accomplish. We may not agree on everything, but we have to get something done, right? Wasn't that yes. kind of the mo Absolutely. here? It was like, okay, we can squabble on the details all day and all night, but the reality of the years now of, of fighting over this issue has kept anything from happening correct.
4: Yeah. And so now we're thinking, all right, this is great. We're going to move this thing forward. And you you end up having, a a group uh, at this hearing of the Ag and Natural Resources, which was, I believe, two or three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. um, you saw this wonderful bipartisan effort. And when the bill came forward, uh, again, something as contentious as this, it was, I believe, like 220 pro were for it. And I think there was only like
2: three that were opposed. And again, Bipartisan to the point where we have folks like Representative Deborah Lekanoff and represent uh, or. Yeah. Um, who yes. are some of the other supporters of this? Tom Dent. Tom
4: Dent on the Republican side. Rep- uh, Lekanoff on the on the republic on the Democrat side who had written the bill last year and was very frustrated with with where it ended up. Um, really, like I said, just working together very well.
2: what what, what was the bill? Why, why was everybody on board with it?
4: Well, because it showed truly bipartisan effort to work on truly voluntary efforts to move forward funding projects that can get buffers on streams. It wasn't going to say we need 200 feet, we need 50 feet, whatever it might be. It was going to say, let's look at these things individually and within our own communities determine what is the best way to move forward. So it didn't have any of those standards tied to it, but it had a lot of funding to really help things
2: you know, move forward in a way that would be positive. Basically, it was saying we're not going to – continue allowing the perfect to be the enemy of the good. Yes.
4: Yep, that is correct. But unfortunately, the w- one that was really the most opposed was the governor's office, who came forward and said, <laughs> we are opposed to this because it doesn't put standards in there, which, once again, if, if, if every one of the tribes at that point came in as, as either pro or, you know, for it or... Standing aside and saying we're not neutral, yeah, except for the governor's office.
2: How that's bizarre to me. Essentially, the governor Jay Inslee now is choosing to be on the other side, even from. The tribes who he has been very supportive of, and they have been supportive of him in the past. Yes. How does Does that happen politically?
4: It's almost like um, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to make sure regulations happen. Okay. So okay, to dig into that a little bit
2: because I I saw just little snippets of the testimony about this this voluntary riparian buffer bill. Yes. That the farming community, salmon advocates, tribes. You know the was this broad bipartisan support for in the testimony even i saw the woman and i forget her name musgraves ruth musgrave yes with the governor's office with uh, governor jay Inslee's office in olympia saying they support this idea of these you know this buffer stuff being voluntary but they want standards yes isn't that oxymoronic sure are those that diametrically opposed either it's yes. voluntary or it's Either not. it's voluntary or it's not exactly. So how how do they make those two things? Well, jive? It,
4: it, and many even the farmer farming world looked at it as you're setting us up for failure, right? You're you're gonna you're gonna say it's gonna be voluntary, and then we're gonna create such ridiculous standards that you that no farmers end up uh, going into the program, and then guess what? The program fails because was too ridiculous, and now we're going to have to go back and require standards, you know, because nobody wants to do it. It was setting people up for failure. It really was.
2: The political gamesmanship on the part of Governor Jay Inslee's office is appalling. It's unbelievable, Unbelievable. and and it's not just this issue. We've seen this in multiple other farming-related issues that we've talked about here. And then across the political landscape, there are the ruins of Things you know, places where people could have worked together that have been blown up by Governor Jay Inslee. Why? And and what's the game plan? Uh, It's it's frustrating, and the sad
4: part is Dylan is it it gets worse because as these things go through the process, the next step was it was for it to go to the. Budget Committee. I am blanking the exact right. name of it right now, uh, at the House. Yep. And that occurred um, yesterday, or no, Thursday. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Yep. And um, much to the shock of everyone, um, the bill in the Executive Committee never was heard, and uh, which means that it died. And despite- because
2: because Wednesday was the deadline. I think for I these think Friday, kinds of.
4: Right, I think Friday was the deadline, but the, but the reality was that on, on Thursday, then it, it was done. And we're finding out behind the scenes that the reason why was that Governor Inslee's office put pressure on that the bill wouldn't pass. Hmm. So here we have something that is completely bipartisan, and Governor Inslee is standing in the
2: way of it. I thought we had a Democratic government. I thought we lived in a republic that, you know, represented people. And the people, left and right, were supporting this. Not so in this case. Well, yeah, I mean, it was that they were supporting it. Right. But it wasn't that... uh, Apparently, that's not good enough. Now, you need the blessing of Jay Inslee to move something forward in this state? Now, I guess
4: it's not all bad news in that supposedly what will happen... Uh, or so we're being told, is that the funding will still be there for these programs. There just won't be a bill attached to it. But the reality is that it sends a message, right? It sends a message to the farming community and to others that says, we don't trust you to make your own decisions. We're going to make the decisions for you. Mm. Now what sort of message is that gonna send when we go to a landowner and we say, look, we need to be looking at at, at, at planting buffers and we're just looking at maybe doing something small by you know, small in this situation. Who's gonna who's gonna believe that? Who's gonna believe that Governor Inslee isn't gonna come back and ask for two hundred feet? Do you think we're really gonna have people who are gonna to wanna to volunteer much? It, it just, it's astonishing the, the the bad message that was that has been sent and the just kind of the condescending way that he has gone about the work the work and related to this. Very frustrating.
2: Now, like you say, this could some of this stuff could still happen as what's the term? Like a fiscal note. It may yes. be baked into the state budget, budget. proviso they call it. Yes. But without this bill, the actual program as an official program doesn't happen.
4: True because right? I mean one of the things that was supposed to happen with this bill was to bring Bring this table up where where we have bipartisan group of folks to sit around and discuss it. That isn't there now. If that happens, it's going to be happening, you know, possibly on the side, but there's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be anything official behind it. And I'm sure there are other things in that bill as well that it's going to create a lot of problems and a lot of challenges here. And, um... Yeah, again, why are we—why is it that the governor has decided that he alone gets to make the decisions instead
2: of folks on the ground locally? Yeah, and this—I mean, at this point, this is not even a partisan beef. This is—he's shutting down voices and votes and people— representing both sides i guess it's just about him and what he wa- i i'm i i can't assume anything else with this kind of behavior uh talking with fred lickle right now executive director of whatcom family farmers i'm dylan honkoop your host here on the farming show on kgmi 96 5 fm and seven ninety a.m um i guess we just see what happens with this, now yeah, obviously, I, okay, obviously
4: it, in politics things change every day. It seems like, yeah. and and so that's that's where things stand right now. And yes, the bill has missed the cutoff, so we would say it's dead. But as in all politics oftentimes they say it's mostly dead but not completely dead (laughs) likewise bills can be mostly all the way through as we thought this time and then they can be and then they can be killed so um, we probably still have a ways to go the legislative session still has uh, what six weeks i believe or so left in it so nothing is completely done yet
2: really what we have here is we have governor jay Inslee being the person standing against salmon recovery yes i mean this was a plan that would move that forward and like you're saying at least there's a little bit bit of encouraging news that some of it probably will still happen despite the governor digging in his heels but really his position was one to stand against tribes farmers other stakeholders protecting salmon and that's what he claims to be all about protecting salmon and protecting our farmland yeah true uh we should before we run out of time here and we are almost out of time but we should mention something that's going on with whatcom family farmers um, and that's a way for you to support the work that we do here at Whatcom Family Farmers, particularly our education work, which is a part of our uh, 501c3 nonprofit tax deductible donation kind of organization. Um, with uh, some of the programs we do, including my podcast, which we talk about from time to time here on the radio show, the Real Food, Real People podcast, uh, hosted by yours truly, uh, the real, uh, real environmental action and leadership video series, sharing stories of of things like riparian improvements and a lot of other things that farmers here in Whatcom County and farmers all over Washington State are doing to, um be more sustainable and help uh, protect our local environment. Also, the, uh, another thing that the supports that we're going to be talking about here is the Whatcom Farm Circle, um, bringing uh, over 900 uh, third graders in for kind of a field trip deal to learn about farming and how farming interfaces with our uh, local environment and sustainability and how farming actually works. Um, that's something that a lot of people are saying is really missing uh, for young people, and we're trying to change that here at Whatcom Family Farmers. So if you like that stuff, and a lot of people really like what we do, if you want to support it, we have an opportunity for you to support that. Coming up in a couple of weeks is the Whatcom Family Farmers Education Online Auction. And so certainly we would love for you to participate in the auction. It runs from March 13th through 19th. But hold the phone there is a way for you to support before that, and that is with throwing something into the auction itself, right? That is correct, Dylan, yes. I, I, yeah. And we have, and we talked about this last year, and it's happening again this year. We have all kinds of cool stuff that you don't normally see in one of these auctions, because this is a, a an auction for and by the farming community. So we've got people donating things like you know, equipment rentals and gravel and it's all kinds of stuff like that. Now, granted, there are gift baskets and gift, oh, cards, yes. to, gift cards to restaurants. and It runs the gamut. But I wanted to mention this today because there is still a, a few days left, if you would like to support this, to throw something in to be auctioned off. And what's really cool about this kind of an auction is you can contribute something to be auctioned off that really doesn't cause you a whole lot of pain, you know, that's correct. Yep. Um, maybe, you know, an hour worth of whatever service your business provides or you do personally, you know, I think we have people have done that, you know, an hour worth of, you know, excavator work or, you know, oh, yes. fill in the blank and there's lots of people out there that will be bidding in this auction who are like, Hey, I need that done anyway, or I needed that product anyway, and now I can get it with low impact to you who's donating, spend a similar potentially amount of money, or maybe bid it up a ways, whatever that you want to do, and support what we're doing here at Whatcom Family Farmers to educate our community about farming um, all in one fell swoop. Oh, yeah, you've seen, um, you know... Outside of
4: agriculture, you can see, you know, boat rides with a dinner attached. Um, inside, I think something that really went well a couple of times was farm tours. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll get folks, you know, bidding from, you know, well outside of Whatcom County. You think, hey, that's cool. You know, a number of you, the, the farmers out there have got some really cool stories to tell and are able to, you know, to tell folks what these are. They, this is your opportunity, as Dylan said, yep. to put forward a, a, a potentially an auction item that could could really grab the attention. And, and, it, and it does benefit a really good cause. It, it goes towards our education side of things. As Dylan said, this is really
2: important yep. to be able to tell that story. And maybe you're not in a position to write a, a check to support. And certainly we have some faithful supporters who do that. But maybe you're not in a position to, but maybe you could do something like this and donate something uh, to this auction that would be valuable to other folks. They would love to bid on it, like you said, even a a farm tour or, you know, outside of the farming world, a fishing trip or, you know, there's all kinds of things. If you need info, go to whatcomfamilyfarmers.org org it's right there on the front page um, about the the auction growing our future together the online auction to support what can family farmers education again it, the actual auction is happening march 13th through 19th we are still though accepting donations and if you go to that page if you click on the growing our future together auction info on the the home at Watkin family farmers it takes you to a page for it, more information and you can click to download a donor sheet fill it out make your donation or get a hold of ellie steens McC- uh, Corbin, our, um, our outreach and education coordinator here at Whatcom Family Farmers, and she can set you up as well. All the contact info is available. Again, whatcomfamilyfarmers.org. Please uh, support this effort uh, to keep doing what we're doing here. Fred uh, Lickle, Executive Director of Watcom Family Farmers, thanks for being here with us this Thank morning. Thank